Matthew called For Broken Trust. This poem was actually brought to me via the chorus and via Gwen Coat in the chorus. The chorus has started a tradition of opening their rehearsals with a poem. And this is one she chose for this month. Thank you, Gwen. Sometimes there is an invisible raven that will fly low to pierce the shell of trust when it has been brought near to ground. When he strikes, he breaks the faith of years that had built quietly through the seasons in the rhythm of tried and tested experience. With one strike, the shelter is down and the back yoke of truth turned false would poison the garden of memory. Now the heart's dream turns to requiem, offering itself a poultice of tears to cleanse from loss what cannot be lost. Through all the raw and awkward days, dignity will hold the heart to grace, lest it squander its dream on a ghost. Often torn ground is ideal for seed that can take root disappointment deep enough to yield a harvest that cannot wither, a deeper light to anoint the eyes, passion that opens wings in the heart, a subtle radiance of countenance, the soul ready for its true other. I invite you now to join our chorus in singing, Comfort Me. Oh 
Welcome to the Washington Ethical Society. I am Amanda Poppy. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. I am honored to serve as the clergy leader here, and I am so glad that you are with us this morning. Whether you are in the room or joining us on Facebook, we're glad you're here. Visitors and guests, we hope that you got a blue name tag as you came in so that we can particularly welcome you and answer any questions that you might have. We do enjoy talking about what we've found here, but we are most eager to hear what it is that you are looking for and whether this community might be a place you can find it. We hope that you'll join us after the platform service for bagels and some cream cheese and coffee in the lobby and in the social hall. And we hope that you'll consider sharing your email with us in the yellow sheet that you'll find in your program. You can drop that in the collection basket as it passes later in our platform service. I want to particularly welcome our guests this morning. We are not usually so lucky to have three guests with us, and particularly three folks that I am so excited to have here. Not that we have usually three people I don't particularly like, <clears throat> but I'm really psyched that they're here. Um, many of you know and have heard already in platforms in the past from Jay Hooper. Jay is an emerging leader in the ethical culture movement, and we are delighted to have you back with us. And this time, Jay brought with him his partners. Um, Story Michelle is an interdisciplinary artist and educator, and Elise Ambrose is a PhD candidate as well as an educator and sexual ethicist. I should say that Jay, along with um, leader certification, is also a PhD candidate at Ohio University. And he is the creator, producer, director, genius behind. Um, although I believe both of you uh, have been involved, right? Everybody, yes, okay. So um, in Humanitas, which is a film um, created imagining a conversation between Felix Adler, the founder of Ethical Culture, and W.E.B. Du Bois. It is premiering in New York at the Ethical Society on Saturday, February 23rd. That is a gala premiere where black tie or whatever makes you feel amazing. Am I right on that? Yes. Um, and, and really, I really hope that folks, if you're able, will consider taking the train or the bus up, spending the weekend in New York, and seeing this amazing um, film, which I think is going to be quite remarkable. So we're really excited that you're here. I also uh, want to remind folks to silence your electronic devices, anything that beeps, so you may be fully present while you grab it. Feel free to check in on social media. You might as well, and tell your friends you're here. And now I'd like to invite Brian Pashigian to come forward and light our community candle and read our statement of purpose. This month, as we explore the theme of trust, we are inviting candle lighters from among our community relations committee, which creates a culture of trust and open communication in the community, and also our pastoral care associates who provide care within the community, and Brian is a member of the pastoral care associates team. The Washington Ethical is a humanistic congregation that affirms the worth of every person. We strive through our relationships to elicit the best in the human spirit. With faith in human goodness, we appreciate each person's unique capacities. We joyfully celebrate together and support each other through life. We nurture a sense of reverence and responsibility for each other and the earth. 
We invite you to join our community of children and adults as we work for a world where love and justice cross all borders. As Brian lights our community candle, I invite you to join in our words. May we kindle within us the warmth of compassion, the light of understanding, and the fire of commitment to build a brighter future for all. Thank you so much, Brian. Each week, we ring a chime in solidarity with people around the world, often thinking about people we have never met in this country or afar who are suffering or facing violence. This week, though, I am holding in my heart this community, which has had so much um, of life and death in the last week. Yesterday, I was honored to officiate at the memorial service of John Bushman. And I know many of us are reeling from the news of the tragic death of Will Timpson, a young adult raised in this community in a kayaking accident. Even as we welcome little Lily George Buzzle, born last week. Our hearts break and expand and break and expand. And our community holds that. As we listen to the chime, let us remember our connection to each other and the world around us. Let us hold in our hearts all that hurts in the world. And let us commit ourselves to all that calls for our work and our love. And now I'd like to invite Story to come forward and lead a meditation for us. We will begin our meditation by grounding ourselves through our breaths. As a reminder to stay present, please find a comfortable seated position and allow your eyes to find a soft gaze. Let us take three collective breaths together Inhaling and exhaling. This time, let us have a soft ah when we exhale. Inhaling and exhaling. For this final inhale, breathe as deeply as you can and let it all out. Inhaling 
and exhaling. I will guide our meditation with a short poem, which can also become a mantra. There is no scarcity. There is no shortage, no lack of love, of compassion, of joy in the world. There is enough. There is more than enough. Only fear and greed make us think otherwise. No one needs starve. There is enough land and enough food. No one need die of thirst. There is enough water. No one need live without mercy. There is no end to grace. And we are all instruments of grace. The more we give it, the more we share it, the more we use it, more is made. There is no scarcity of love. There is plenty and always more. Take this moment to think about someone who has taught you something about love. Our messages of love come from those who have loved on us, those who have shown care or concern. Those are the ones that have gifted us with this knowing. Take a couple of silent moments to think about what gift did they give to you? How do you use this gift?
Okay, so this is the part where we're gonna transform the stage into um, like, I don't know, Oprah's uh, stage set, right? So everybody bear with us for some rearranging. Here we go. Is it, yeah, is Can it hear? on? Can you hear me through these, look at these magical microphones that are picking <laughs> us up without having to pass things back and forth. You know, we like magic. We, I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, oh, I, I really feel very technologically advanced right now. Welcome to the, what, probably like 1990s. Um, <laughs> it's okay, it's all right, everybody. Um, no, huge thanks, as always, to our sound and AV team who make all of this possible and who, yeah, 100%, and who not only, you know, sort of use what we have to make us, literally, so that you can hear us, to make us audible, um, but also are always hunting for what might be next to make it more possible, so I know that a member of our sound team, Eric, found these for super sale somewhere and thought it might be cool, and John had the vision that it could work for today, so here we are. So we, um, we are really excited to be with you all um, this morning and to, I hope, have a conversation with each other. Um, my, um, as I imagined Pay Attention to Love Day this year, I wanted an opportunity to talk about um, how trust is connected with love and how that's true in lots of different kinds of relationships, family relationships and friendship relationships and romantic relationships. And then I started thinking even more broadly, you know, many of us are in different kinds of versions of all of those relationships. And I just thought it would be neat to bring together folks who um, have different sorts of relationships in their lives to talk about what is at the heart of of all, I would say, of all relationships, right? And what we have in common. So we've got a couple of questions that we've prepared, but we really want to have an opportunity to talk. So, um, yeah. Um, okay, so I have some questions. Do you, do you want to start, Elise, with what you had brought with your sure. beautiful quote? And sure, why don't it kind of starts us off it. on a, I know, right? <laughs> it sort of starts us off in a bang, but I think that's all right. Yeah, so I shared um, a quote. I was looking for a quote that I thought um, spoke to a portion of what trust entails or what love entails when communicated with trust. By the way, good morning. <laughs> good to see you all. Okay, so this quote, um, a springboard for us in a way. So, trust is not simply a matter of truthfulness or even constancy. It is also a matter of amity and goodwill. We trust those who have our best interests at heart and mistrust those who seem unmindful of our concerns. So, not particularly deeply profound or philosophical, really straightforward, um, for me at least, at the, at the heart of trust, is not necessarily this um, idea that there's a, a person who is perfectly trustworthy, mm -hmm. necessarily, right. or a person whose um, behavior is, is sort of like 
all right, I can count on that. In a way, maybe that's part of it, but I think even more so at the core is this idea that, okay, I believe this person isn't trying to harm me. I believe that this person has goodwill so I can trust them. And I think that that fits within romantic relationships, but also I think, I know you don't want to talk about this today, but like social relationships between, between people groups where there's this, this, this idea where I, I, I don't believe you have my best interest at heart, at heart, so we can't even have a conversation. We can't even come to the same table. So I think if, if there is grounds for belief that there is goodwill, then I think that's a fertile place for trust to begin to, to touch. What do you, what do you all think? Well, I'm, I'm sitting with the idea of like, trust rooted in, in the framework of, right, um, sometimes, no, no, it's, it's not going to be perfect, it's, it's going to be, uh, it's gonna have some tension with it. It, 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 it's moments of courageousness and comfort at the same time. But you can always expect Right, and so trusting is in the expectancy, right? That I can sit with the idea that you and I might not always agree, but I expect at some point that you will always be here. And I think a lot of times we have to lean deeply on the presence of one's consciousness and mindfulness uh, towards us. Because I think that says a lot about how to expect and hold space for expectancy. They might not show up in the way you want them to. Right. <laughs> right? But as long as they can hold that space to be present for you, that is, that is one of the greatest mechanisms. I, 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 me and my mother, for example, my mother, uh, you know, we, we would often go back and forth about different things that we would disagree about, but I had to trust her with information I gave her all the time, I would ask, hey, well, can I tell you about this part of my life? Are you ready to receive this part of my life? And she would, she'd look at me and go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and, and so I'd be like, okay. As soon, and as soon as she would brace herself, finish clutching her pearls, she, okay, I'm ready. You know, and so we, 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 could, we could tango, uh, you know, and, and, and so, so it, it is that. But I always appreciated the idea that I, you know, that the expectancy of her will towards me, her love towards me, her kindness towards me um, was also a, a sense of free, freeing, and at the same time, peace of mind um, for my body. So I, I'm just listening to you. I'm wondering, are we saying that trust is then... Um, also compatible with like acceptance because that's a whole nother thing for me. Like I, I believe that we can trust people with our information, we can trust people with our hearts, but that doesn't mean they always have to accept everything about us. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's, that's huge, right? Because I have a very difficult relationship with my father. I'm actually supposed to see him later on today probably and I, I have love. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I have I have learned to be in a space with my father where I just have to be brave mm -hmm. and I have to be brave enough to know that even if he doesn't accept me for all that I am that I trust him enough that he is going to be able to sit with me in that discomfort oh, and yeah. that and that even if we have that tension that we can just be brave together and and if that is the most that we can do then I accept that, right. yeah. you know? Yeah. And some of it, I think, right, is about expectations. You yeah. know, it's about you having come to a place of 
acceptance yourself that maybe this is the relationship we have now maybe it will change in the future right but right now I have an expectation that this is that this is what I can give and that this is what I'll receive mm -hmm. and I think so often in our any kind of relationship it's when our expectations don't match what we receive that we get into an experience of feeling really that trust is broken or that we can't be present to the relationship in some way and so it can be really helpful to have that internal work, right, ourselves, mm -hmm. of th this is what this will be for me now. Yeah. And then we can make a choice whether to show up for it or not, right? It's yeah, also yeah. sometimes we mm -hmm. say, this is all this can be right now, and so actually that's not the relationship that I need in my life right now, or I can't mm -hmm. be present in that way, yeah, or exactly. I can only be present in this way, you know? Mm -hmm. To I, that point, right. No. <laughs> to, that, <laughs> to that point, because I, um, as, I, as we, I was reflecting on this throughout the week, and um, it's, it's appropriate that we would all talk about parents, because that's, you know, where the relationships began. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking to myself, what does it mean to trust someone in light of who they are, not in who I would have them to be. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh. And yes, right. yes, it, yes, it, yes. it set me free. <laughs> it set me free when I thought about it because I remember, I, I, I thought back to this example when I was um, 11 and my parents divorced. And so my father was living somewhere else. And he would frequently call me and be like, I'm going to come pick you up this weekend. I'm going to come pick you up this weekend. Mm -hmm. And at some point around, I don't know, some, somewhere where he never showed up, right? At some point I began to say, yeah, I'll believe that when I see it. Uh -huh. <laughs> and that's the way I began to see my father's word. That he, that, that I, at the time, as a teenager, I was like, I can't, as a preteen teenager, I can't trust him. Right. And that carried on into my 20s until I told my father off one day. <laughs> and, um, and it created a release in me. And, and, and I think it allowed me to see him more fully and to see myself more fully and to negotiate the relationship in another way because I was holding my tongue for 20, mm -hmm. right. 20 years. Right. And when I finally let this go, I said to myself, okay, maybe what my father is actually saying is that he has a desire to do this. But what his actions are communicating to me is that he doesn't have the capacity to do it for whatever reasons. Right. And as a child, I couldn't process what it meant for him to not have the capacity. I'm like, you're saying it, just do it. And, and well into my 30s, he still says, I'm coming to New York to see you. <laughs> he says, I'm coming to New York. And now I respond by saying, you should come in the summer because you're not going to like the winters here. <laughs> be prepared and don't come in July because it's going to be too hot. And when you come, there's a home here for you and right. we'll have a good time. Right. I look forward to showing you around because I accept that this is where he is. Yeah. Right. And, and I believe goodwill exists right. between us. Right, you can see that he, yeah. he, he maybe really wants to be able to do that. He, wants he really to. wants to be that person that, and he's not there yet, yeah. right? Yeah. But yeah. And I accept yeah. that because mm -hmm. I'm 33 years old and I really can't, <laughs> can't sit with, with, with continually trying to force him. And the same way that he doesn't force me to be mm -hmm. who he wants me to be, right. I'm sure. Right. There's I mean, a lot of things about me that I'm sure he would like to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Maya Angelou yeah. says, right? Maya Angelou says that uh, if, if somebody shows you who they are, believe, believe them. them. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. uh, and so if we 
put trust and put it yeah. with belief. You know, one of one of my one of my favorite things. I mean, as an artist, I, I think I I can I have the ability to create the world I want to see <laughs> all the time. There's nothing that I will not create. I just I'm that kind of person. I'm that driven to do it. But it takes a lot of make believe, <laughs> and it takes a lot of imagination, and it takes that. So also for me, myself, who sees a system that says, well, I am, you know, a person who is believing in, it, b believes and trusts people on a grounds of blank slate. When I see you, it is very love at first sight. Like, yes, I love you. You're fabulous. You have to do nothing for me because I honestly, genuinely care about the essence of your existence. Before I even have an experience, mm -hmm. I trust your existence. Your existence to me is what's important because it is real. And oftentimes we sit back and trust and we look at trust and we say, oh, okay, well that's, I have to trust you. Well, you have to build that experience. But for me, I'm like, just because you're real, I love that. And that's enough for me because I honestly, I am sometimes people's, wildest imagination and they're like I would never do that I know I did it for you <laughs> you know <laughs> and and but I, I think it you know as we think about as we think about this idea of trust and and belief like there's a space of make-believe for me that allows for us to sometimes fall and in, fall into the idea mm. right of trust so for me that actually I feel like that is the ethical culture affirmation of worth, right? Yeah. That is, you know, that, that eth ethical culture asks us to affirm the worth of every person, yeah. whether we see it there or yeah. not. That's, mm -hmm. you're, yeah. you, right? Like, like loving someone because of their existence. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah. That's a, and it's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's real compassion. It's really just like, how do I show up for you? Okay, now we're going to have this experience. And I mean, honestly, I stepped into 2019 with a, real, with a real clear goal for myself. I was like, I just want realness. And people were like, that's it? What does that mean? Mm -hmm. I was like, no, I don't, I just don't, I don't want to take, I don't want to take you based off of the experience you're giving me. I want to take you based off of the existence that you're living. So this makes me think of one of the questions that we talked about ahead of time. And I wonder, Story, if you have a thought on this. We, yeah. we wanted to think about how do our identities, mm -hmm. as an artist, mm -hmm. as a black woman, right? Like mm -hmm. any, how do our identities impact how we love how we trust, and I think you're, you were getting to this at the very beginning, Elise, right? Mm -hmm. Is this sort of like, you know, sometimes identities mean that we can't even be present mm -hmm. with other groups, right? We, mm -hmm. the, we don't have, we may be able to affirm their existence, but not be present yet. So, mm -hmm. so I don't know if you have thoughts on that. Like, Definitely, how does that I, was, I was thinking about it as we were talking about like using our imagination. I feel sometimes that we limit ourselves when it comes to love. That love has to look like this, mm -hmm. you know, and I, in my research, I, I did a lot of research on like fairy tales and how we communicate these messages of love to our children. And they're always framed as, you know, like there's this lowly girl just waiting for somebody to come along and pick her up and rescue her. And so we live that out. Right. And even as children, they take it as truth and they live it out mm -hmm. in their everyday existence. And it took a lot of unlearning for myself to expand the way that I look at love. Because, because our social constructs 
like make it look just like this. And if it doesn't look like this, this picture perfect, mm -hmm. you know, uniform, two people, man and woman, mm -hmm. 2.5 children, mm -hmm. then it's not real. Mm -hmm. It's not real love. Yeah. It's not reality. Yeah. And, and so as someone who is a black woman, who is a queer black woman, who is a queer black woman in a poly configuration, I had to really push through to be imaginative and to think about how expansive love can be. But I think that today that we we're seeing that, but there's still so much resistance to yeah, that. Yeah. And and even thinking about Valentine's Day coming up next week, which is actually my father's birthday, which is funny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's awesome. it's it's like I I I am I'm, I'm often you know wondering like what am I going to scroll and see on my IG? Right. What, what am I going to see? Like lots of flowers, lots of teddy bears, lots of candies. Yeah. But what what does real love really look like in real time? Right. What does it look like every day? Right. How do we show that every day? I think that is still very much limited. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. For me, Valentine's Day I, I, it was just not my holiday until I had kids, actually. And mm -hmm. like the whole family celebrates it together. We all mm -hmm. give each other cards. It's my, the the it moves it out of that romantic space. And I think, you know, it's so interesting, right? So the man and the woman with um, 2.5 children and a picket fence is mm -hmm. literally my life that I have two <laughs> children. I want to be clear, I have two children. That's not a pregnancy announcement, okay? So <laughs> the point five's the cats or something, right? And so from the outside, it looks like I fit that mold, right? Mm -hmm. And and yet, I think the unlearning ha it has been really important for me too. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, I'm so I am so grateful for folks who unlearn and and then you know experience perf perform. I don't mean it. You know what I mean? No, no, right? no. Like, performance yeah, is right? real. Yeah. Performance is real. So like <laughs> and, and like perform the like queering of love, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Or the expansion of relationship in ways that don't happen to be what my life is at this moment, but that open up what it looks like inside the picket fence or whatever, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Like it changes the more mm -hmm. traditional looking relationships as well. Mm -hmm. I wanted a loft. I mean, right? I wanted a loft. <laughs> you wanted a loft? I, for, my, for my imagination, it was funny. Like not I, a picket fence. No, I didn't want the, oh, yeah, okay, right? I, I wanted I a loft. I, I was very, I mean, a loft. you know, I mean, I, I, I right, part of my life I grew up in, in, in Richmond, Virginia, but I, I, it was really interesting. I never wanted a house. Everybody, all of my friends in, in Richmond wanted a house and they wanted, it was very picket fence sounding. And I was right. like, I want a loft with <laughs> columns in it, me and my partner, and we're gonna do, I'm gonna have some animal, exotic animal, and I'm gonna, I want, I, I literally had that in my mind. I'm amazed. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that you didn't want the standard, um, you know. You know, and I, and I think too, what, what's also beautiful is that when you, what, when you have that by yourself in your head, and then you share it with someone else, you share your life with someone else, and then they have another idea. One of the biggest things that is very important in our relationship, uh, you know, is that all three of us, we do not compromise. We collaborate. Mm. So we throw it out. If it doesn't work, if we don't see it, we're like, leave it alone. And it's because, it's because of that collaborative effort, it forces us to be more communicative. Mm -hmm. It forces us to really work off of, and I'll use a, Elisa's phrase, consent. She's all about <laughs> consent. Uh, and I mean, that, but that was, a, I mean, that was actually one of the beautiful, most beautiful things that was brought to, to us, uh, and definitely for me, 
uh, at least really opened my eyes to this idea of consent. I mean, to agree with each other, to have the decency to respect each other in even thinking, let alone, you know, respect of, of body or personhood, right? Those were things that were shaping um, the understanding of, you know, our, our non-monogamy, mm -hmm. right? And, sure. and so, and, and those things kept, kept building until we were like, okay, so this is community. And this is, and this is what this looks like. So, you know, I, I think a, a lot of the vision that I have, it was nice. So I can see all of, you know, when I, when I go home, I'm like, yeah, I'm in, I'm right now in Ohio. You know, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> Sorry, Ohio. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, my New York City living is very, is very close to much of, you know, what I imagine and more. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know? Well, that's, I just want to, yeah. I think that that's, um, really powerful when we talk about uh, imagination and talk about um, what I hear sort of what, maybe you, you didn't do this, but I think that my experience has been like trial and error. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because right. I imagined, my imagining was a husband and two kids <laughs> and, um, and a nice comfortable home somewhere in the suburbs, somewhere in the south. And my life is really, not like that. <laughs> it's really, really not. Like Why? <laughs> it's really not like that because I tried it and it didn't work. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Teach today. So what does it mean for me to, not, to say to myself, I'm not about to compromise. Like I know what, what would be comfortable. I know what could probably provide some security for me. I know what can provide people saying, oh, you, you're such a beautiful couple. They used to say it all the time when I was married to my spouse. And still, it didn't sit right with me. Mm -hmm. And in the trial and error, it takes some courage to say, well, I don't know what's going to happen after this, mm -hmm. but I'm going to divorce the money. I'm going to divorce the stable housing. <laughs> I'm going to divorce all of these things and keep the friendship because we're still friends. Mm -hmm. But let go of all those other things that I thought provided me the security and comfort mm -hmm. that I wanted and instead do this sort of weird free fall with two strangers in New York and <laughs> see what kind of security and comfort can come from that. And um, it's, it's, it's a wild ride and it's, and it's a lot of discomfort but also um, I think that's when you find out where are your real foundations and what really yeah. provides yeah. security and trust <clears throat> and, 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 a, and a space of um, um, safety, if, if, if that's what we want to um, call it. And it's really not those accoutrements. It's not those things that I thought it was when they told me the story. They told me if I married a good man, I could have, yeah, I could have everything <laughs> and I would feel safe. And, and that's, that's not, yeah. Yeah. That's not mm -hmm. true. I want to make sure we get to one last thing before we wrap, um, because one of the things that I often hear from folks in, in pastoral counseling or just in conversations, right, is <clears throat> some version of, um, like, how do I forgive this person? Should I forgive this person? How do we build trust again, like, when things are broken, right? And, um, you know. I'm She's just talking to the face. <laughs> <laughs> the performance. And that's, and that's in any relationship, right? That's yeah, in a friendship. Yes. That's in a mm -hmm. that's in a parent relationship. Mm -hmm. That's in a romantic mm -hmm. relationship. All all of those pieces, right? Mm -hmm. And I have a thought about about that sort of idea of like um, 
So I think often when people bring that question, they imagine like a, de a decision. I I'm gonna either trust this person again or I'm not, right? And what I find is that it's so much more frequently the, you, you sort of, where we're going here, the like belt, built up experience, right? It's not like, oh, I've decided I'm gonna trust this person and so now we're set. No, it's a lived experience. It's like the drop in a bucket, I'm gonna put a stone in, I'm gonna try and I'm gonna see sort of then how they are and how we are with each other and, and it's sort of choice every day and experience every day that builds up and that can be also taken down and built up again. Mm -hmm. That is, we sort of, and I think that's part of the movie version too, right? Is like, it's a one, yeah. you know, kind yes. of one and done. All, all the choices in our lives are one and done. And, and really, it's so much more a regular practice of experience and attempt. And, you know, at some point you might make a, a big decision, right? The way you did, Elise. Or, you know, you might find that it's decisions that you make over time. So just as we as we close, I wondered if you had brilliance to offer, probably. Go. Around forgiveness. Yeah, around trust or around building trust after it's broken, which by the way is all the time, right? Like yeah, you know, right? That's just because that's living. Yeah. You like relocate your elbow? What was that? You know, that's a DDT move, you know, from WWF Oh yeah, no, I know. I don't know the moves of Jennifer. Thank you. That's 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 the response. I I I think I tend to trust my intuition. Um, I, I feel like my gut never steers me wrong, and that every experience that I have gives me some sort of mirror for myself. And so I always look at it as how do I feel around this person? Do I feel like my best self? Do I feel like I'm compromising? Do I feel like I'm pushing through? Or do I feel like I'm in a relationship with this person where I can be honest and they can be honest, even if a mistake is made? That's right. You know, something that all three of us have really decided is that we're going to be honest even if it hurts. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it really hurts. But we, we made that decision because we wanted to be brave enough and open and honest enough with each other where we each can make a choice. And I think that's where trust takes a turn, is where there, there's you know, different levels of distrust, but especially when it's like lies on top of lies or breaking promises on top of breaking promises, it gets to this point where it's just like, well, you know, is this, is this worth me staying in? Right. Can right. I love myself in this process? Sure. Or yeah. am I compromising and putting someone else before myself? Right, right. You know, um, and I, I think that there's a lot of situations where I've learned that I can love from afar. If that's, if that's the best and safest mm -hmm. thing for me to do, mm -hmm. I can love somebody from afar. Mm -hmm. I can wish them the best. Mm -hmm. We can still be cordial. We can still have conversations. But I don't have to give my whole life over to someone who isn't taking care of my heart in the process yeah. as well. And so I, I let my intuition guide me in that way. Yeah. I love that idea of thinking about how you can be your best self and that might change over, like the relationship that allows that with a person might change over time. Yes. You might come closer and mm -hmm. further and closer, all of those pieces, yeah. Absolutely. Elise, do you want a last word? Sure. I think um, when a trust is broken, it can go two different directions. 
the one that Jay demonstrated for us <laughs> in one way or another, which is a departure. But also, um, I love this idea that I recently heard about what, what creative tension exists at poles, at polarity, right? So the polarity that exists when people have broken a trust. And if you can make the decision to let the tension of the poles lead to a creative sort of tension, oh, yeah. then maybe we can move to another place. That's right. Maybe we can build something, rebuild something, deconstruct something, reconstruct something else. Maybe we can um, start all over again in a way, create a new foundation in a way mm -hmm. uh, that, that is uh, true to, to who we are now. Because the, the, the broken trust changes. That's right. That's you. right. It'll be something yes. different. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's yeah, a new thing. Same. So what, if, if, okay, this is not something you do with everybody. This is not, this is, don't try it at home if you're not ready for it. But it's like where, where the goodwill exists, where the, the, um, the, the, the uh, tried and tested sort of relationship exists, I think that there can be that creative tension because tension can either drive away or bring together. Yeah. And if we're gonna come together, then let's build something new. And I think that, that, that that's part of the forgiveness process. I think that's part of a rebuilding trust um, that, that may look very different from what was before. And I think that that's okay. And there's trial and error in that. And we can be brave enough to, to try it, I think, if it's worth it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's it, all right.
Thank you.